Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 120, Let It Fly to Catch What Swims. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Katie as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Great, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, no complaints, uh, nothing really happened, it was just a normal day. I, I usually come on saying, hey, this happened, but today, no, I'm content. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Same as usual. Oh, good, good. So we're going to stay in that usual mood and hopefully it turns into a very happy mood by the end of this episode, right? Right, I hope so. <laughs> well, we're starting off on the right foot. And to keep going forward on that foot, who is Katie? Uh, well, my name's Katie. I uh, am here today to talk about fly fishing, which is um, one of my one of my favorite things to do in my free time. And i um, been doing it for a couple of years now. I uh, have a fly fishing podcast that I, that I host every couple of weeks. And um, yeah, just try to get out whenever I can to do some fishing and um, also like skiing, hiking, pretty much anything outdoors I enjoy. So you like skiing, hiking and fly fishing all at once, right? In a perfect world, yes. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way. I don't know. For half a second, I could just imagine the fish are also on skis while you're fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my wild imagination just going off track. But yes, today we're going to be talking about fly fishing. And I know I want to jump into this because I'm super curious. But before we do that, do you have any websites, social media, even maybe a podcast that you'd love to share so people can come show some love and support you? Sure. Uh, everything's called Fish Untamed. So um, it's fishuntamed.com, fishuntamed on Instagram. Uh, I'm not really on many other social media platforms, but uh, those are the two places you can find me. And it's called the Fish Untamed Podcast. So if you've ever wanted to learn about fly fishing or, or want to see what it's all about, those are the places to come. Perfect. I'll put that in the description below so people can come check it out. And I want to learn about fly fishing, so that's why I have you on here. Boom. I, I found a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, today we're just going to jump right into it. So what is fly fishing compared to, let's say, I wouldn't say traditional fishing, but the alternative fishing? Sure. So um, most people are pretty familiar, I think, with uh, what you would call like regular fishing or spin fishing, gear fishing conventional fishing, any of those phrases kind of, um, references normal fishing. You've got your, your typical fishing pole with some thin, clear line and maybe a lure or some bait on the end. And you cast that out and wait for fish to come along. And, uh, in that type of fishing, the, the weight of whatever you're casting out is going to pull the line out. So most people will be familiar with like casting a lure out and it's going to pull your line out from the reel as it goes. And um, the kind of the whole point of fly fishing is that you're casting something extremely small and lightweight. Um, they're called flies, and they're usually made out of fur, feathers, thread, things like that. And they're super small and lightweight. So if you were to put a fly on a standard spin rod and try to cast it, it wouldn't go very far. And anyone who's tried to cast a lure or a bait that's too light for their for their gear will know what that feels like when you cast it and it just doesn't go anywhere. So the idea behind fly fishing is that you have a very thick, heavy weighted line. And that's what most people have seen. If you've ever seen somebody fly fishing and throwing their line back and forth, um, it's that thick, heavy line. And instead of having the weight of whatever you're casting, pulling the line out for you, uh, in fly fishing, you actually have the weight of the line pulling the fly out for you. So if you think about like swinging a lasso around, the, the momentum that the lasso is getting as you throw it around um, will then let you throw it forward. That's kind of the same idea in fly fishing that you can throw the line back and forth to get enough momentum to throw it forward. And that'll pull that really lightweight fly out for you into the water. 
That's pretty cool. I did not know about the actual weighted, uh, well, I'd say weighted, but the heavier line. So that's why, like, whenever I see a video online, it kind of looks like the line is not directly vertical up in the air. It's kind of like swinging back and forth. Okay, that's cool. I did not know that. Thank you for teaching me that at the beginning of the episode. And I feel like this whole episode is going to be me going, huh, I did not know. <laughs> that is totally normal. <laughs> the premise of every show of me just going, huh, I did not know. <laughs> so actually for you, how did you actually get introduced to fly fishing? Uh, well, I've been fishing since I was a really little girl. I grew up as an only child, so I needed something to entertain myself when I was um, alone as a kid. And so I would go out fishing a lot, and that was just regular fishing. But once I got to college, I uh, basically threw a through a connection via my sis, my older sister. I said I grew up as an only child, but I did. I do have two older sisters who were just um, they'd already moved out by the time that I was born. My sister had a connection with a uh, fly shop out here in Colorado where I live now, and um, they were looking for some help around the shop. So she gave me a call and asked if I wanted to spend my summers out here. And that was that's kind of history. I came out and started fly fishing and haven't really looked back since. Did you find it hard at the beginning to find the right technique or you just like it was instinct? You already knew how to cast a line. Uh, I'd say I picked it up faster than some people who maybe hadn't fished at all before, but it definitely was a bit of a learning curve and it took a long time to get what I would say, you know, decent at it. <laughs> and did you take a picture of the first fish you caught or are you just, it got away? <laughs> uh, I did take a picture of it. It was uh, a milestone for me. The first time I went out fly fishing, I didn't catch anything. Um, and I think I spent about 10 hours out that day. Um, just came back super frustrated. But the next time I went out, I caught a couple and um, definitely took some pictures to document it so I could show all my friends when I got home. It's like, I could do it. I caught it. That's awesome. And uh, so this is a, a tough question, I guess. But what would you say is the best part about fly fishing for you on a personal and an emotional level? Uh, for me personally, I think I, I use it mostly to explore new places. Uh, I know a lot of people use it to relax and I do find it relaxing. But um, I enjoy most of the time I enjoy fly fishing to get me out into really awesome places. I like hiking you know, far back into the backcountry and, uh, you know, fishing lakes that you can convince yourself that no one's ever seen before, even though, you know, someone was probably there the day before. But um, just just getting out there and, and seeing new new areas that um, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't want to hike to just just for the sake of it. But um, I really enjoy hiking to places that are challenging to me um, just to fish there. So that's, that's probably my favorite part of it. OK, so I have two follow up questions to that. The first one is how many places have you discovered? I wouldn't say necessarily discovered, but been fly fishing. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> um, probably somewhere between dozens and hundreds. And the follow up question to that follow up question is, is there a place not, let's say, not just in the United States, but anywhere around the world that you would love to try go fly fishing? Yeah, my bucket list is Russia, but I'll probably settle for something like Alaska in the meantime. I've got a, quite a few bucket list places, but if I could, could only go to one place, it'd be Russia. So why Russia, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, there's a, an area of Russia in the Far East that is, until recently, was pretty much exclusive to uh, the people who lived there. Um, foreigners weren't allowed to come in, and they've since opened it up, but it's still very, very... Um, I, don't, I don't really know what the word is, but just it hasn't progressed very far in terms of civilization. And, you know, it's it's still very remote, um, very primitive, and it just hasn't been hit by a lot of people. So it's still uh, I've heard it described as how Alaska used to be before it became part of the U.S. So that just sounds like a very exciting place to go. And how did you find out about this place, like doing research online or is just like somebody another fisherman told you about it? Uh, it's a fairly well known area. Um, it's 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 more limiting in that it's hard to get to and it costs a lot. So it's not that people don't know about it. It's just that not a lot of people get the chance to do it. And hopefully in the future, uh, once everything calms down, uh, you'll get the chance. But let's say right. by the end of this like episode, once it comes out, you'll be like, Alex, 
the episode came out and I'm actually in Russia right now listening to this podcast. How meta is that? Oh, that would be a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> but we can hope. Yes, knocking on wood. Um, so for you, I would imagine you bring different types of equipment along with you. So for you, what is in your, I wouldn't necessarily say arsenal, but let's say in your, your gear, what's the gear you bring along? Sure. So I, I'm not going to go too deep in the weeds just because, you know, I, I feel like everyone who is passionate about a hobby probably has, you know, zillions of little things they, they use that aren't, you know, necessarily vital to the actual hobby itself, but more just, you know, it's fun to collect things that you can use. The the main things that you need for fly fishing are a rod and reel, obviously, a special way to set up a fly reel that involves uh, several different types of line, and that's backing, then fly line, then leader, then tippet. Um, and all those things, if you if you were to go to a fly shop or um, buy like a pre-set up rod, um, it would come with all this stuff. But that's like the standard rods, rod and reel setup. So you need your rod and reel. You need some flies, obviously, to tie on and, and catch the fish. And most people opt for waders and boots as well. Um, since a lot of people fly fish for trout, uh, they're often fishing in pretty cold water. Um, so you can you can definitely just wear a pair of sandals or whatever you want to, to walk into the water near you. But um, most people who are fishing for trout are going to opt for some waders and boots to stay warm. Um, and then uh, we just carry a, a fishing pack that has, you know, boxes to hold the flies and nippers to cut the line, hemostats to get the hook out of the fish's mouth if it's in there too deep, just things like that, um, little accessories. But uh, the rod, reel, flies, waders, and boots are kind of the the staple items that most people are going to want to have. And speaking about the flies themselves, have you ever made your own fly or you're more like, oh, just buy one and then use that one? Uh, I have tied a couple of my own, but it's not something I've gotten super deep into. There's a lot of people who consider fly tying more of their hobby than actual fishing. Um, and for me, I'll always be more of a fisherman than a fly tire. But I have tied a couple. And I think some is some are worth my time because they're quick and easy and don't take many materials. But for the flies that are going to cost more to make than for me to buy, I'll just end up buying those. And another odd question. I don't know how relevant it is, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I ask a lot of stupid questions. But <laughs> are you superstitious when it comes to fly fishing? Like you have a certain move you want to do, or you have to eat a certain meal before you go fishing, or a certain stance, or you got to wait a few seconds before casting line. Do you have any of those superstitions? Uh, not, not overall, like every time I go out, but I definitely have had moments where, you know, I'll be fishing all day and haven't caught anything. And then I'll be, you know, humming a song to myself and hook a fish. And I'll just hum that song for the rest of the day in hopes that, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe that, maybe that, you know, called out to the universe in some way and, and caused me to catch a fish. So I will do that occasionally, like during the day, you know, on that day, but I don't have any like traditions where I have to wear the same pair of socks every time I go or anything like that. <laughs> For half a second, I could just imagine you like humming the song that's the most annoying to you. Like, oh, I hate this song, but it's working so well. I have to keep singing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, it often doesn't actually keep working well, but I do end up hating the song at the end of the day and, and never wanting to listen to it again. So actually, speaking about songs, do you listen to music while you fly fish or you just love the sound of nature? Uh, yeah, I never really listen to music when I fish, mostly because I like listening to the the water and this and the wind and everything like that. But um, I do enjoy listening to music like on the way. I like to, you know, pump myself up with listening to some of my favorite favorite songs on the way to the river or, or while I'm getting ready at my car or something like that. And another odd question, but have you ever encountered another wild animal while fly fishing? I know this is a little exaggerated, but let's say a bear or a moose or another Big beast, per se. <laughs> Somewhat, but we don't know what it was. Um, a couple of years ago, my friend and I were hiking into a lake that was about uh, 10 miles from the trailhead, and we wanted to get some extra time, so we decided to hike in the night before. And our goal was to get a couple miles in and then set up camp 
then wake up and finish the finish the hike the next morning. So we left at like 11 p.m. because that's when we got to the trailhead after work. And about a mile in, we came. We we had our headlamps on and we saw a pair of eyes on the trail ahead of us. And we thought it was probably a, you know a deer or something. So we yelled and and made some noise and moved around. But it ended up just walking toward us. Oh God. So, yeah, yeah, we kind of just huddled together and kept making noise. It kind of circled around us for a little bit and then disappeared. And we set up our tent right there and just went to bed because we didn't know we didn't want to like walk farther into it. So we don't actually know what it was, but we figured if it was something like a deer, it probably would have jumped off. So still, still no idea what it was, but we we still talk about it. <laughs> it's just staring at you like, what are these humans doing? Oh, okay, I'm just, I'm bored. I'm walking away. <laughs> Confusion. <laughs> and for you, how often do you actually go fly fishing? Uh, depends on the time of year. During the winter, I don't go too much. Some people go all winter long. You, you can fish during the winter, but I, I like skiing and stuff as well. So I usually reserve the winter for that. And it's just kind of chilly. But during the summer, I, I probably go once every week, maybe like every weekend or so. Um, or I'll go after work and maybe go two or three times a week. And in the fall and spring, it's it's hit or miss. If we if we've got good weather and the water's at a good level, um, again I could go um, like one to three times a week, and I could also go a couple weeks without going, just depending on you know how my schedule's working out and things like that. And this might be a tough question to answer, but how would you describe the perfect fly fishing condition? Sunny day, no wind, uh, humid. Like what would be the perfect condition to go fly fishing? Well, I guess like I guess I mean that I would, you know, I obviously want a nice day out because I don't want to be miserable while I'm out there. So I'd like it to be a warm day, but I don't really want full sun. I feel like full sun on a really hot day, the fish will start to get a little relaxed during the afternoon and, and won't be as active. So I guess if I had to describe a perfect day, it'd be kind of a crisp morning, a warm and comfortable afternoon that's sunny. But, you know, there's there's cloudy patches throughout the day and then just a, a warm evening that then cools off. Uh, so it's they can be active throughout the day a little bit more, but you're also comfortable in you know a short sleeve shirt and you've got the sun shining. Yeah, I feel like it's such like a meditation. You're just you're in the zone. You're in a trance of just. Uh, I, I I don't fly fish, but I can just picture it right now of that how calm and how relaxing that could be, except for if that animal is looking at you from afar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so for you, you've caught many different types of fish. Is there one type of fish you prefer to catch? Uh, yeah, I guess I pref I grew up fishing for for bass and pike and walleye, and I think those have always been it's it's they've always held a special place in my heart. And so I'd say if I could only catch you know one thing for the rest of my life, it would be the, those warm water species. But where I am now, it's more accessible for me to fish for trout. And I also tend to think that trout, or at least around here um, in Colorado, trout tend to live in some of the prettier locations, you know, I can go up in the mountains and, and visit an alpine lake or a mountain stream and have it to myself versus fishing down here in town for things like bass. So, um, if I'm going by species, I do like catching bass and the other warm water species more, but I tend to gravitate toward trout because I like the, the overall experience of fishing for them a little bit more. You created a friendship. It's like, Hey, I'm out for you today. You're like, yeah, let's hang out. And then the trouts are hanging out with you. Right. <laughs> And uh, you're mentioning having the whole little area for yourself. Do you prefer fishing alone or with company? Uh, well, when I say fishing by myself or, or having the place to myself, uh, I, I guess I'm referring to strangers. Like I don't I don't want to share a river shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people I don't know. But I do like fishing with my friends. 
Um, I go by myself a lot just because, you know, I get off work and, and I can just hop in the car and go somewhere. Um, but I do like scheduling trip, a couple trips every year with friends, either from around here or I'll fly out of state and, and visit a friend I haven't seen for a while and go fishing there. So, you know, ideally I'd, I'd always be fishing with one of my friends or, or my boyfriend or something, but I do end up doing a lot of fishing by myself as well, which I, I like that as I like that too. Yeah, it's your your time. It's time for your hobby. Pun intended. Look at that right, right there. But uh, <laughs> yeah. has it ever happened to you that you found a spawn for yourself and then, I don't know, 30 minutes later, an hour later, a stranger came by and you, do you stay or do you like, okay, no, this is, this, I got to go. I can't do this with this person beside me or like, I'm firm. This is my spot. I was here first. Oh, it really, really depends on the location. If, uh, and, and that's like kind of called uh, like fishing etiquette, you know, what's, what's accepted and what's not accepted and what's good behavior and bad behavior. So ideally you don't want to walk up on somebody and just start fishing right next to them. But it really does depend on the location because if you're fishing a place that's really, really heavily trafficked and and people are aware of that, then you might walk up, get one run and you can't really blame the guy for being, you know, a hundred yards downstream because there's really nowhere else to go. There's so many people there and you kind of knew that going in. But if I were in the middle of nowhere on a mountain stream and and someone rolled up and parked next to my car and started fishing next to me, it'd be pretty hard for me not to say something along the lines of like, why didn't you you know, drive to any one of the other hundred pull offs along this road and, and take that instead? So it really just depends. Um, and you kind of have to adapt your expectations to the place you're fishing. It's almost as if like you're in a bus, an empty bus, and you're sitting and one person comes on and it sits right beside you. Exactly. Like you're not going to be mad at someone for doing that if the bus is full. But if the bus is empty, you're you're kind of wondering why they didn't pick any other seat on the bus. Uh, and you mentioned something really important, some do's and don'ts. So what are some other do's and don'ts when it comes to fly fishing? Well, yeah. Are you talking about more like the technique or or that etiquette stuff? Like, you know, things you don't want to do to make other people upset. Let's start with the technique and then do some etiquette stuff. Yeah. So technique, there's a couple like major mistakes that a lot of beginners make. Um, and so I guess I would classify those in like the what you don't want to do. Um, you don't want to bring your rod back too far. A lot of people who especially have tried spin fishing before, you're used to swinging the rod kind of like a bat. You know, you bring it back, you launch it forward, and then the line's going to fly out. And for fly fishing, it's a little bit different since you're trying to throw the line back. Uh, if you pull the rod too far back, it's just going to pull the line down onto the water behind you. So um, you really want to keep your rod pretty vertical while you're casting. You'll be going back and forth, but you don't want to bring it back too much. Um, you don't want to break your wrist too much, kind of for the same reason. If you have your arm straight up in the air and you break your wrist until it's coming fully back, then that's going to bring the rod uh, way far back as well. So most people, when they're first starting out, it's a good idea to try to lock your wrist. And then as you get a little bit more comfortable with the cast, you can start to you know, use a little bit more of that wrist action to, to make the rod do what you want. But breaking the wrist is a big one uh, when you're first starting. And the the third big don't that a lot of people do when they're first starting out is that they'll forget to pause when they come back. So when you bring the line back, it's called the back cast. And that's where you're going to let the line fly out behind you, load the rod, which is when it kind of pulls the rod back and gets it ready to shoot it forward. And you'll bring the rod forward to to shoot the line out in front. And if you don't pause when you come back, the line will uh, it it won't have fully unfurled as it comes back, and it'll you'll crack it like a whip. And if you crack it like a whip, then the fly usually flies off the line. It'll it'll snap the line midair, and and you'll lose your fly. So those are the, probably the three big don'ts that um, a lot of beginners mess up when they're first getting started. And it's pretty frustrating when uh, you're trying to learn, and it's. It's hard to break those habits. Wow, I did not know that. That's and I have an interview this week about a guy who uh, crack whips. So which is perfect oh, segue. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so fly fishing can be a deadly whip as well. Uh, so yeah, watch out. 
And what, when it comes to etiquette, you're saying, you know, standing right next to somebody is not the proper thing. Are there other things that come into play when it comes to fly fishing on like do's and don'ts for people as individuals? Yeah. So again, it really depends on the situation, like how, how things are set up and, and what, you know, the specific person is doing. But in general, you want to give people a little bit of space. Uh, it's not a bad idea to just talk to talk to people. A lot of people like to fish upstream because you're not disturbing the water that you're about to fish and the fish uh, face upstream. So if you work upstream, you're kicking all your dirt below you and you're not really getting in the fish's line of sight. So since people work upstream, it's not a bad idea to, if you see someone in the parking lot, ask like, hey, which direction are you heading? You can head the opposite direction. Um, you can leapfrog people. So if, so, if you see someone heading upstream, uh, instead of just jumping up to the spot right above them, maybe hop up on the road and walk you know, way upstream so you're not with them. Basically, just it, it's not rocket science. It's just kind of treating people politely. Like if you were if you were doing something, would you want someone to come stand right next to you and kind of get in your space while you do it? Probably not. So that, that's kind of how it works. But like I said, it it depends on where you are, like what your expectations need to be. Uh, I'm not going to be mad at somebody for fishing near me when we're all standing shoulder to shoulder. But I will be if if we're on an empty lake and someone, you know, brings their canoe right up next to mine. You know, that that kind of thing is is frowned upon. And obviously just, you know, don't throw your trash in the river. If you can pick up some trash, leave it better than you found it. Things like that are just, you know, a good way to behave. And I in my mind, just like kind of build up some good karma for yourself for the next time you go out. Yeah, and the more you do it, the better nature is going to be in a better condition, and then more fish are going to come. Like, during this whole pandemic, you have creatures and animals coming back into cities that haven't come in a long time. I think it was, like, Italy, where they had dolphins come back. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah, if you treat Mother Nature correctly, more animals will come in, and that means more fly fishing for Katie. Right. <laughs> and actually, for you, was there one day you just had a massive, like, jackpot? Like, how many fish did you catch? They were like, the most. I am really phrasing this question really wrong. Uh, in other words, what was the most fish you've caught in one day? One day, probably between 20 and 30. Oh, wow. It's, I usually don't really keep, keep count and it's, it's not hard to keep count when you're, when you're catching like three or four, it's, you know, even if you're not counting, you're going to remember that. But once you hit about 10, I feel like unless you're deliberately counting them, you're not really going to remember. And I don't really deliberately count them. So I'm guessing it's somewhere between 20 and 30, but not positive on that. You're just like, all right, this is another one. Just like a small school full of kids. You're like, yeah, this is Timmy, Jimmy, Simmy, Limmy. I'm really bad with names, but you're just collecting <laughs> them. Do you actually, you, I know this sometimes tradition to release the first catch, but uh, do you keep the fish or do you release them? A little of both. It depends. Um, there's some places that you have to release everything you catch. So obviously those places I release everything. Um, there's some sizes that you can't keep. Either the fish is too small or too big and you'll have to release those. Um, sometimes I'm just not set up for keeping fish. You know, maybe I'll be out for 10 hours and don't have any way to keep them fresh. So I'll throw all those back. But if I, uh, if I happen to have a nice fish that, you know, fits, fits all the, fits the bill in terms of size and, you know, the convenience of keeping it, then I'll keep it. Um, especially if we're camping, we like to, you know, keep a couple of fish to cook over the fire. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not really ri rigid either way. I go back and forth. I, I release more than I keep just because it's less of a hassle. Would you say you go with the flow? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, see, that was another cheesy pun. Uh, so yeah, for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started fly fishing? Oh, probably when I first started, um, like I said, I came out to work in a fly shop. So I was surrounded by people who were really, really good at fly fishing. And I had no idea what I was doing, which, you know, on one hand was really helpful because I had, you know, a ton of different mentors that were able to help me out. And, you know, some of them are still my closest friends. Uh, but at the same time, it's a little intimidating when 
everyone around you is really good. And you're you're like every question I ask is going to be a stupid question. So, you know, I'm embarrassed to ask. So I guess that would be probably the biggest challenge is just diving in with a bunch of people who know what's going on and, and just having no idea where to start standing there like a deer in headlights, which, you know, took a while to get over. So you're talking about mentors. Were you a mentor for somebody? Like, did you ever teach somebody fly fishing? Well, I got my boyfriend into it. So Ooh. I guess that counts. <laughs> But it is what they when they say that uh, it's hard to teach your significant other to do, you know, to to do your hobbies. They're not lying. It's <laughs> it's like definitely more of a challenge. You know, I it's it's a lot easier to show frustration with someone you're really comfortable with versus if, if you're teaching, you know, someone who's paying you, you know, it's you, you can work with them and, and be calm and collected. But you have with your like close friends and your significant others, it's uh it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, I don't think I'll be able to convince my wife to be a host on this podcast. And also, I work with my mother and my aunt at work. So, yeah, I get, I get the feeling. Uh, I know how that yeah, feels. <laughs> it's just different. It is. Family can wind you up and significant others and friends. Yeah. Uh, for you, what is your current biggest challenge now? Oh, um, you know, honestly, I guess it would be just I'm like trying to branch out a little bit more and try some new techniques. And, you know, it's always hard to pull myself away, away from what I know and love because there's, you know, there's a vast variety within fly fishing of the different styles and techniques you can use. And I've been trying to pull myself away more and try new things. And, you know, that's always just a real wake up call when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing. And then you try you change one little thing and you're, you're going to see how it works. And it's just it just flops. So, yeah, I've been trying a couple of new techniques and, you know, I've, I'm kind of back at square one when it comes to learning. So um, I guess that's what I'm working on mostly right now. That's that's challenging, but in, in a rewarding way, not a frustrating way. And in the same train of thought, has fly fishing ever stressed you out? And if so, what do you do to try to de-stress? Well, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people use fly fishing to de-stress. And I would agree with that in terms of, you know, if I'm stressed at work or stressed about something else going on in my life, then fly fishing is a really great way to pull yourself out of it because it, it requires a lot of focus. So it's really hard to, you know, be dwelling on something at work when you're when you're trying to do everything right and catch a fish. But yes, it, it can get stressful if you're out there, you know, you've got really high expectations, you've heard really great things about where you're going and you're expecting to catch a bunch of fish and then you just catch nothing and um, you're trying everything you can think of and it's just not working. You're getting frustrated. Um, frustrated might be the better word uh, than stress, but I, I feel like stress is kind of along the same line. Just you know, you're you're putting in a lot of work and, and nothing's happening. And you're not sure what to do. And you're just <laughs> spinning your wheels. And did it ever happen to you? Like the line kept or like broke or you just uh, slipped on a rock. It's just like the Murphy's Law aspect. Did that ever oh, happen to you? Yeah, <laughs> that that definitely happens. I, I should have thought of that. But yeah, it's it's like when it, when it rains, it pours. You'll have days where you go out. And everything just works right. You know, you <laughs> all your casts are good and you don't you, the walking is easy and you catch a lot of fish. And then other days, every cast you're tangled or you're hooked on a rock or you're caught in a tree. And it's like when it happens once, it's going to happen all day long. And that gets old too, especially when you realize it's one of those days and you're like, I don't even know if I should keep going. I could just imagine as well, like you just, you're casting your line. You're like, what the hell? Where'd that cheek tree come from? It wasn't there before. Right. It's like, yep, I was here. Yep. The whole time. Yep. I didn't pop yep. up out of nowhere. <laughs> then you do it again the exact, or the yeah, very the next same, cast. The same tree. Like, what, what the hell? The tree came back. It's like, I never left. <laughs> And uh, this is a really important question I ask on every episode, but what are some misconceptions about people who do fly fishing? Well, it's uh, it's kind of a misconception, but not always um, that that fly fishermen are like the stuck up versions of <laughs> spin fishermen. Um, a lot of people picture it as kind of like an old white guy uh, hobby and and 
you know, they're exclusive to other people and you know, they don't want new people in the sport. Um, and while there are some people out there like that, I think that nowadays that's generally misconception. Um, the, the sport's rapidly growing. There's a lot of young people getting into it, a lot of women, a lot of minorities. And for the most part, the people who are picking it up are are eager to uh, teach other people or bring other people in or share what they know. Um, and it's it's no longer this you know very exclusive club for for the wealthy who can afford this stuff. You know, the gear is getting very, very affordable now. Really, anyone can get into it. Uh, all it takes is watching a couple YouTube videos and dropping about 200 bucks on on your setup and then you're ready to go. So um, I guess it's it's kind of a misconception that people still think it is how it's always been. And, and that's not the case, especially over the past you know five to 10 years. It's It's really opened up. And it's especially great for people like you right now who are doing these podcasts, sharing this information with the world and just proving that, hey, this is a hobby. This is an activity for everybody. Everybody can enjoy right. it. Everybody can have fun. The fish do not discriminate. They're just like, oh, my God, free food. No, wait, I'm getting pulled out of the water. What's happening? You know, it's just... right. They don't like any of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, oh I can put it back in. Oh, look, there it is again. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's a fun activity and anybody can do it. Young, old, big, thin black, white, uh, any other color of the rainbow. Uh, literally anybody can do it. You can do it. Don't right. do it at night because it might be a little hard. Or I don't know. Oh, you you could. Yeah, you know, just I guess yeah. you could. Yeah. I, I'm not the expert. You're the expert. Yeah. Lots of people do it at night. Um, that's that's when people like to fish with mouse flies. So if you they, they've got flies that look like mice and, you know, mice will come out in the, at night and, you know, fall into streams in the meadow. And that's when a lot of a lot of large fish will eat at night. So, um, yeah, people do go out at night and target those larger fish. This might be a really stupid question, but I'm <laughs> like a really stupid one. But I don't know how well fish can see in the dark. So in that case, do you ever attach like, let's say, a little waterproof LED light on the, the fly? So when it goes into the water, they follow this little light? Uh, no, you wouldn't. You would attach a, <laughs> a light to your to your fly. And um, one of the challenges about fishing at night is that you can't see your fly either most of the time. Um, some people do use like a headlamp and uh, maybe put it on the red setting. Um, but a lot of people also just go no headlamp. They either go out by moonlight or just go out and, and listen. And they're just listening for like a splash on the surface to let them know that a fish came up and ate their fly. So I'm I'm not really well versed on how the how the fish gets around the light issue and and, and finds the fly, but they do. Um, they feed at night, so um, really comes down to the challenge of you being able to tell that you've got a fish on. You just got to be at one with the rod, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for you, what has fly fishing taught you in life? Probably just to slow down and be patient. I'm I tend not to be a very patient person, but you really really have to be when you're fishing and. I think it really helps me with with the rest of my life, just taking a breather and understanding that it you know not everything has to happen immediately, and you know just put in some time, be patient, and and generally things will work out. And I think that's just fishing in general. That's not fly fishing. That's just you know anything that you have to put time into, and and you know you're probably not going to reap rewards right away is a is a good way to practice your patience. And I have a feeling that you brought that experience into your everyday life as well. I try to. I'm not sure not sure how well it works all the time, but I, I like to think so. And do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? Uh, yeah, um, just it's not as hard or as expensive as uh, it's made out to be for the most part. Like I said, anyone can get started. There are plenty of tutorial videos online, um, plenty of people at fly shops who are willing to help. And you can get started and on the water fishing for under 200 bucks, which I think a lot of people think that there's a very high money barrier to entry and it can get expensive if you like it and you want to keep doing it and you want to keep, you know, adding more, more gear to your arsenal, like you said earlier, but it's not, it's not as hard or expensive 
to get started as, as people think. So, you know, if it's something that interests you, maybe just watch some videos, read some articles, see if it might be up your alley. And, uh, you know, if you, if you buy the stuff and it's, it's not, it's not your thing, then easy to sell it. And there's also, there's also rental options. So, um, very easy to try and see if it's, if it's what you're looking for. And of course, if you're interested, you have to listen to Katie's podcast. Of course. <laughs> that's a, that's a must. You, you, you forgot the most important thing that the podcast has everything. Right. It's one one level <laughs> for people like me. <laughs> and on that note of podcasts and social media, I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again here because we've got to refresh these people's memories. Do you have any social media links, websites, podcasts, or any other projects you're working on that you would love to share with the audience? Yep. So like I said, it's all under Fish Untamed. So fishuntamed.com, Fish Untamed podcast, Fish Untamed on Instagram. Uh, they all link to each other too. So if you end up on one, you'll probably find the rest. And I've, I focus mostly um, on backcountry fly fishing on the website. Uh, the podcast is kind of all over the board. And uh, Instagram is mostly just pictures of whatever I've been doing outside, uh, usually fishing, but also some camping and hiking stuff. I don't, I'm not too active on Instagram, but um, website and podcast are every two weeks. And I'm always consistent with those. That's perfect. I love consistency. And on that note, I will continue to put these information in the description below like I did at the beginning of the episode. It's not like they're going to go anywhere. So you guys can go show Katie some love, so show some support and, you know, pick up a thing or two. If you love this podcast, you're definitely going to love her podcast as well. And now for the last question, the one I have no experience with, but you know what? It's always great to put me on the hot seat. Do you have any questions for me about fly fishing? Sure, I, I do. What did you think fly fishing was? Because I know a lot of people don't truly understand what's going on, and I didn't before I started either. So I'm curious, uh, before we talk today, what what were you under the impression was going on when someone was you know, casting back and forth like that? Um, okay, I'll be honest. Yeah, so I thought if people wearing like boots that are... I was going to say pantaloons, but no, like, uh, <laughs> not pantaloons, uh, like waterproof uh, pants to boots and they're in the water, not like up to the waist and they're swinging the rod above their head. And there's like this like S shaped motion of the, the actual line. And then they would throw it in and I can't remember in my mind. I don't know if I remember if there is something to reel it in or not, but I, I feel like they, ju they just pull the line. And then the that's fish right. Would... Okay, yeah. so <laughs> you got it. There you go. I did... You're an expert. <laughs> the only thing I did not know is that the line was actually weighted. I thought it was actually the the fly itself. I mean, like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Like, out of a <laughs> physical and yeah, physics concept, uh, it makes more sense. Yeah, I, that's I found that cool. Other than that, yeah, that's I guess that's what I was thinking of fly fishing. And I, I always thought it was like this is really cool, but it must be more complex doing than what it looks like trying to get the right technique because you're telling me about the wrist and I know I would like snap my wrist because I have tiny little wrists, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool to know that there's a cool technique and you make, it makes it look so elegant. It's like you're drawing in the air. <sighs> Sorry, I'm making sound effects. <laughs> it is, it is definitely complicated to get the technique right and to like dial it in, but the, the overall concept of it is not complicated at all. And uh, you know, there's a podcast out there uh, made by Katie if you want to learn more about that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on and just painting this beautiful picture of fly fishing, how it can be so relaxing and so fun and so technical at the same time, yet it is easy to pick up. So it's kind of like all in one, which is fantastic. If you guys want to learn more about Katie, you should go check her out. I put all the information below in the description and go check out her podcast, show some love, show some support. She's a wonderful person. She 
you know, she kept the conversation with me, babbling Alex. I don't know how most people do it, but she did it. She did fantastic. I did mediocre asking the silly questions. Hopefully I did well. But uh, yes, thank you once again, Katie. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you could send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, you know, you can leave a review. I won't say no. Reviews are good. And if you want to show some more support, I sell merchandise on Redbubble and I also have a Patreon. Once again, these are all optional. You don't have to do, but it would be greatly appreciated if you're interested. So once again, thank you so much, Katie. Yep. Thank you, Alex. Had a great time. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.